Hello. Hello, Merlin. How are you? <laughs> Very well, Dad. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing so well. How is everything? How are you? Way up there. You sound very well. <laughs> one could not speak in such a lilting tone <laughs> if one weren't doing well. Now I sound like Mathazar from Galaxy Quest. Yes. Mathazar. Mm -hmm. Or as they yeah, say in the UK, Mathazar. <laughs> oh, come on. That's funny, Dan. Yeah. What are, you, what are you drinking this morning? I am just about to have some of the uh, 365 Whole Foods Market Lime Sparkling mm. Water. Ooh. Mm. Let's see if you can hear it. Let's hear it. Give me a demo. It's, well, it's very quiet, but if you if you listen, you may hear the, the carbonation. Listen. Hmm. I don't know. Is that coming across? Is the noise, gate, noise gate's killing it? Ah, uh, the gate. Um, well, I, I, I can usual. hear it, and it sounds hmm? delicious. Okay, listen, I need, to get, I need to clear something up, and I should clear this up on a different program, but I'm going to clear this up here. You hear this? Now, this is your, al your is, Altoids. It's my Altoids <laughs> and my, uh, my pills. This is a, uh, a one liter, or as you say, 1,000 milliliter flask. A flask? Uh, a beaker? It's a beaker. It's uh -huh, a beaker. Uh -huh. Okay, now, now here's the thing. Scott Simpson had a little fun with me. Because in a recent episode, the latest episode of uh, You Look Nice Today, California King, he was speaking. I muted. And this is the problem with video, Dan. Mm. And I, I picked up my 1,000 milliliter, as you say, one liter uh, a beaker. <laughs> I've been, I have been known to say that. I mean, I can't lie. Yeah. Full of iced tea. You can hear it. Listen. Now, every morning, what I do is I make, I make iced tea here. Mm. I think I've explained this before. But I'm going to have to explain it again because everybody's having a little bit of fun. Everybody's like, what is that? Are you drinking lard? That's an awful lot of bourbon. It's, it's, I like a large glass and, and I have a lot of tea in that. I'm off coffee. Ooh, off coffee altogether. That's big. That's news. Well, it's not, <clears throat> it's not difficult because I have ADD medicines to give me some energy. And, and I enjoy the maintenance dose of caffeine afforded by uh, uh, you like you, you like to say you know I, I got to be different, so I have some iced tea with lime juice in it. Okay. Okay. So everybody out there who's worried about me drinking lard or bourbon, I, I do enjoy both sometimes in moderation. But but I just want people to know, you know, this is this is just iced tea. Okay. I'm the way I am. I don't I don't need you know chemicals to make me more like how I am. I have heard that in many movies and TV shows, when they want to portray people playing alcohol and they have to have them drink something like whiskey or whatever, I've heard that it's iced tea. Have you ever heard that? I heard, well, you know what? I got a similar one, which is, remember, uh, well, you wouldn't remember this, it's a little before your time, but uh, the actor and singer Dean Martin had a TV show. And part of the conceit was that he was a drunk. Not like a Foster Brooks drunk, but like a guy who drank a lot. And he would come on and he liked drinking so much that he had a little like a well, the size of like a water glass mm -hmm. full, full of uh, presumably some kind of a whiskey, mm. probably a bourbon, as you say. And he would come out and he would sip on that. Mm -hmm. When the moon hits your eyes, more <laughs> right. Wait, hang on, I can do better. Hang, take two. <clears throat> Let's see. When, gotta get, when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's a more. That's it. You know, I have to be honest with you about something. And anyway, it was apple juice. I have been apple juice, apple juice flood. enamored by your impressions over the years, the things you do, for example, oh. especially the Marcy one, but there's a lot of other oh, ones that, you. that you've done that I don't, 
I don't know how you do them. They're so spot on. They're so good. That was not in the category of of your best uh, impression. Well, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I do need. I do generally need to warm up a little bit. But the key part of that is this. <clears throat> that's amore. Mm. That's a classic. Uh, I'm gonna call it the Martin Slide. <laughs> or not a glissando. When we a glissando, it's not a portamento. Portamento is a kind of a mushroom. Uh, it's when you go, that's amore. Classic Martin. Martin Slide, they call it. Title. Martin Slide. Um, Martin, Martin Slide. slide. Martin um, slide. Yeah. You know, he and Jerry Lewis were very close at a time, and then they were not so close, and it really tore Jerry apart. According to his, uh, according to the the biography of him called the King of Comedy, it was very diff- it was difficult for him. He was constantly giving gifts, you know, and so so when when uh, when uh, Frank Sinatra, the chairman of the board, when Mr. Sinatra came out at the telethon in '76 and said, "I got you know, a special friend here," Martin walks on stage. They haven't talked in years. Now, according to that unauthorized biography, which it should be mentioned, started as an authorized biography. Oh, and that that's the best kind. Biography. That's the best one when it starts out right and something happens, like maybe they've gotten to the truth too much or something. That's right. You know why? Because Jerry, Jerry got a bee in his bonnet. We mm-hmm. could talk the whole show about Jerry because the problem was Jerry was addicted to painkillers and he kept a gun in his private bathroom and he would lay on the floor. He said he was laying on the floor because of his back, but he was frequently in there gacked out on, uh, on, on the drugs and he had a loaded gun in his bathroom, la, la, la. So, so, the point being, Mr. Sinatra comes out and says, I got to No, that, hang on, that, that would be Dean Martin. It would be, um, I can't do Frank Sinatra, I'm not going to try. I could do Frank Sinatra Jr., but no one would know. So, he comes out, and, and, and they see each other for the first time in years. And it is said in the unauthorized biography of Jerry Lewis called The King of Comedy, I'll put it in notes, it is said that Dean was actually, how does one say, from the Italian poop-faced, that he was actually pretty lit, because he was very nervous about doing this. Jerry was ecstatic. Jerry thought, this is it. Now we're pals again. Certainly, all the acrimony is behind us. Frank Sinatra brought us together again, and he thought they were going to be pals and at least like kind of keep in touch. He, he, he got cufflinks, commemorative cufflinks uh, uh, for the event. Oh, it's so it. sad. This is so sad. So, well, Jerry, as much, you know, Jerry had a lot of quirky things about him. He never wore the same pair of socks twice, which I super admire. He always had to have fresh socks uh, every time he put on would socks. Would they be laundered kind of, first, or would they be right out of the package? No. I think they come out of the package, mm. you know, go down to JCPenney's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Get some uh, white tennis shoes. Woolworths. <clears throat> Woolworths. Is that it? Woolworth? <clears throat> and and that broke his heart. You know, he had a lot of problems. And so, you know, that's the thing. So you think uh, now uh, Jerry Lewis, you know, he was a very talented guy, beloved in France. Did you ever see the movie The King of Comedy by Mar- Mar- Martin Scorsese? Yes, but I don't remember movie. it. Mar- um, Robert De Niro. Uh, plays an aspiring comedian who's right. obsessed with being on the equivalent of the Johnny Carson show. And it's basically what, the, what in Latin they call a Ramona Clay. It's basically about Johnny Carson, except, of course, Johnny Carson's not going to do that. They get Jerry Lewis to play the Johnny Carson character. Romano Clay. Ro- that's one of my fake names. Ramona. I have that on my list of fake names I want to use someday, like <laughs> Roscoe Green. Uh-huh. Uh, Roscoe Green, I love that. That should be a silent film star. Um Romana Clay. That sounds that sounds like a companion from Doctor Who, which just had its fifty seventh anniversary just yesterday. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> one so of the things we covered that I, a lot already. What well, I was going to say. One of the things that I'm I'm thinking about this now after our brief discussion about you know whether it's apple juice or whether it's iced tea or whatever. But I always wonder that about cigarettes. 
What oh, are yeah. what are actors and actresses smoking on the cigarettes? And I've heard one thing that I read back in the X Files time period when the smoking man was smoking was that they actually were smoking some kind of an herbal cigarette. Yeah. That there are these I rules think they have in fig, Hollywood. I think they have fake stage cigarettes, right? That that you uh, you don't get sick from, you know, with the you know the lung things and whatnot. I think that's accurate. I'll, I'll learn more about that. But I you can't know. do that with food. Food's got to be food. And, you know, um, uh, uh, what's his name? The guy who plays Ron Swanson, the guy who's married to that lady. What's his name? Nick Offerman yeah. has talked about, to much hilarity, that he's not Ron Swanson. He, he cannot eat the things in the amount that Ron Swanson eats, on top of which you're on set, hot lights. You got to do multiple takes. I have on a case, I had to eat, I've had to eat twice that I can think of in a production, and it was not fun. I read that Jonah Hill... And I'll see if I can find this article for the show notes. But when he was uh, filming Wolf of Wall Street, they were snorting <laughs> yeah. a lot of cocaine. The, um, ca- the characters were supposed to be snorting cocaine. But in real sure. life, they probably weren't snorting cocaine. So I looked this up and I read about it. And what they were, what they were snorting, uh, here's the article. Okay, it says, um, in this case, the fake substance was vitamin D powder which Hill, Jonah Hill, claims did have some beneficial effect. I never had more vitamin D in my entire life. I think I could have lifted a car over my head. But apparently he was hospitalized because he got bronchitis from it. Because oh, no. he says if you ingest that he was much... legitimately bronchial? Legi- <laughs> if you oh, ingest God, that much matter guy. into your lungs, you'll get very sick. And we were literally doing fake coke for like seven months every day, he said. <laughs> so, oh, my goodness. Yeah. There must be so many strange... I mean, there's got to be a whole body of law about this. You think about the crazy stuff with how they have to, you know, one of the problems with Robert Downey Jr. after he had his difficulties mm. before Iron Man uh, and, and whatnot, you know, he, he kind of dipped for a while. He came back and everybody said the problem is like, first of all, this guy's famously wackadoo and unreliable now. He mm-hmm. hides in your bushes with <laughs> Anne Hayes or whatever. <laughs> and then, but then also they say he was uninsurable because you need to ensure, my understanding, the producers need to ensure the production because in the event that something happens, like to one of the stars especially, right? When you're one of the like low numbers on the call sheet, that, you know, you got to get insurance. They said, no way, you can't get insurance for this guy. It's not going to happen. He, he's, he's too goofy. So, but I'm thinking there must be some very strange OSHA-related things about being in a production. You know what I mean? Like, you got to think about stuff like what if that, you know, whatever it's called, like a Klieg light. What if a light falls on you? Like, what if... You know, you trip falling out of the out of the trailer. Like, what if you have to snort a bunch of vitamin D? It must be very interesting. The producers probably have to deal with some pretty significant uh, OSHA-related things. Hey, you would think so. And so maybe this is why they don't want anyone, you know, smoking a real cigarette on set. So I, oh, that's re- a good point. What I was thinking about, really, this came up again last night because I'm um, I'm watching one of the the all-time great movies. I think everyone can agree. I think you will all mm-hmm. agree. Yeah. That Shawshank Redemption is one of the best movies of all time. Oh, yeah. And I felt like my son, who's just about 13, was old enough to appreciate it. Appreciate it on the level that is required to really get the movie. It's not mm-hmm. so much that there are scenes that I wanted to avoid showing him as much as it was. I just wanted him to... Yeah, it's, there's one thing that's a little bit, you know, iffy. Yeah, is. there's the one scene and... He you know, he's assaulted, right? He's, yes, he's old enough to understand... 
the the concept of yeah. being he's, assaulted. He's seen Midnight Express. He knows he knows what happens in a Turkish prison. He hasn't. He hasn't. But um, that's a good movie. That's got that's got John Hurt and uh, and uh, what's the other guy? John Williams. No, not his name. But that one guy's in it. I, it's really, it's a really good movie. It is a very good movie. But I I thought you know he handled that okay though. He knew that was something something <laughs> assault. Yes, and so we we didn't you know he was kind of like what. Well, why would they do that? And I said, I don't know. And then it was the next scene. So we just moved moved past it. Um, yep. But there are many scenes where people are smoking cigarettes. And in one particular scene, I don't want to ruin the movie for the three or four living people that haven't yet seen it. But there's yeah. a scene where a character is invited to step outside the, the jail to talk to the warden. And he is offered a cigarette by the warden. And it's very clear that it's a Marlboro Red cigarette. It looks like a Marlboro Red box, and he he gives us the Marlboro Red cigarette to the character, and the character lights it and smokes it, and it looked very real to me. And so there are certainly movies that I've seen where the cigarettes don't look real and smoke oddly, and the best example that I can think of for this is um, is Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner, when he's yeah. being when he's giving uh, the Voight-Kampff test. Um, his cigarettes and so all to Leon. Of, yeah to Leon and mm. all the cigarettes in this movie look wrong. They look wrong. They really? burn wrong. The ends no of kidding. them are. I'm gonna try and find the smoke. The smoke looks great. The smoke looks amazing. I and so the thing is, I want some of these and fake I, and cigarettes. I, and by the way, I do. I do like your owl. I, I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really want these fake cigarettes. I want to smoke them. That's a really good idea. Now that's gonna be weird modeling for people but if you're smoking a lot because you're not really smoking you're smoking but you're not smoking Who? this is the thing there's so many things in life dan I, I i love to problematize these things you know the, the smoking smoking is bad okay yeah well smoking is bad but what is it that makes smoking bad well it's the smoke it's the tar it's all of those things i, I mean do we know that nicotine is bad it's I, not the nicotine right it's the way it's delivered it's That's not the bad part it's right? not the nicotine my understanding and i mean i'm i'm not quite done with my but it all got it got all got like uh katamari damasita into this one big thing which is smoking equals equals bad and it's like well yeah but like what is it that, you know what i'm saying like what is it that makes that bad the nicotine my understanding and i don't need email about this i don't want to be corrected god my, no my understanding i gotta get rid of my email don't even try is that the nicotine is fine the nicotine is mm -hmm. more like the caffeine it might be addictive there's pluses and minuses to it but no one, no one is getting cancer from nicotine, for example. It's the delivery, it's the tar, it's the other stuff that comes from inhaling right. the, 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 the way that it gets in. But like for people who are using a nicotine patch or chewing Nicorette gum or something like that, they may be getting hooked on the substance of nicotine the way that people who drink coffee are going to get hooked on caffeine, etc. But my understanding is that that's not what's the bad part for you. And, but I want to smoke these fake uh, cigarettes really badly, really badly. Where do you think you get those? Would you have to go to some kind of Army, Navy, uh, like movie supply store? I'll go wherever, wherever I got to go. Wherever you got to go. And, and I wonder if they're, they're, they're sort of, they charge for them, tax for them on a similar basis. I found, I was listening to a recent episode of, I want to say Planet Money, but one of those turns out uh, economics podcasts, and they were talking about... Oh, you know, you know what it was. Oh, look at that guy. And look, oh, and him. look, but look at the cigarette. Look at the way this is burning. And in the in the out. Oh, yeah, that's not a. Uh, so Dan sent me a photo of the guy. And in the one of the cuts, we see uh, uh, Deckard visiting him in the hospital after he's been badly hurt, right? Oh my! It might I, be director's cut. It might be final cut. There's many cuts. Of, You're right though. That cigarette. You know what that looks like? I used to. Uh, I used to. 
Sometimes I roll my own in college, get that uh, tobacco called drum, really good. Oh. Almost smells like pipe tobacco. Yeah. Remember that? You get a little pouch of that and you could roll it up yourself. That looks to me like a badly rolled cigarette. It's not burning evenly. And don't even get me started on people smoking cigars in movies. Jesus Christ, teach these people how yeah, to light no a cigar. Yeah, how to light a cigar in a movie. That's... You got one edge that's all ashy and white and you haven't even... The thing is, you know, a cigar is a project. A cigar is not... Don't, don't treat it like this little bagatelle, like some goddamn cigarette. A cigar is a project. If it's a good cigar, that's 60 to 90 minutes of your time. And if you didn't light it right, in this economy? <laughs> oh, look at her. Yeah. Look, oh, look at her. I know. My goodness. I know. Almost... Some people think smoking is sexy. Now what is now what is that her cigarette also looks it weird. It looks weird, right? Now okay. I'm going we, just we because we're on this. this topic, I'm going to anyway, send the Planet you... Money was was all about how does or was was it on the media? It was about does TV advertising work redux? You know, the old saw about the guy who says, you know, uh we, we waste half of our money on TV advertising, we just don't know which half. And it's basically about like does TV advertising work? And they talked in particular about like will vaping lead people to to smoking cigarettes, et cetera. I think that's one of the concerns is you get the nicotine this way, they're worried that then you go to the the, the batter way. Well, but, I'm, go I'm going to send you what I think is- You're Sending me a lot of people smoking. The Who's best there? image in the history oh, of filmmaking. Is that Fight Club? Mm -hmm, that's Fight Club? Mm -hmm. That's a good- that's a This good is shot. Marla Singer smoking yep. her cigarette in- it's, it's, You were talking about smoking being sexy. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the best uh, image in, in anywhere you're going to ever find. You know, though, a nice bookend to that is uh, Her and the Crown. I haven't seen um, it yet. I haven't seen that season oh, yet. I, I'm not going to spoil it, but let's just say, you know, maybe she should have smoked a little less. <laughs> okay. I'll keep that in mind. Princess so Margaret. Much. Princess Margaret is a free spirit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That sounds coded, but I, I don't mean it that way. Boy, I like her a lot. You know, like the saying Ted Lasso, what's the, when he says to Coach Beard, he says, what's the first rule of my fight club? Coach Beard goes, no fighting! <laughs> That's the first rule. Can I tell you about something Honestly. I like? I guess. Um, <laughs> transitions, Martin slide. Okay. Um, hey, yes, Dan. Yeah. Would you do me? Would you? Would you? Would you do me to do me a courtesy and tell me about something you like? I'd love to tell you about feels. Oh, feels. Oh, feels. We could not have a no, no, no smoking there, Dan. No, no smoking. No, we could not have a more timely ad for our current time in the world. Than feels, I don't think, because feels is all about helping people who are experiencing stress or who have anxiety or chronic pain or trouble sleeping. We're, everyone is experiencing this right now. I don't know anyone who's saying, yeah, I slept great last night. I have not heard that in so long because there's so much going on, whether it's just the general financial concern in the world, whether it's the election, whether it's COVID, whether it's lockdowns, whether it's running out of paper towels again, it like little things like that add up and you wind up with a lot of stress, forgetting just the regular daily stress that has nothing to do with any of these bizarre conditions that we're in here at the end of 2020. And Feels is here to help. Feels is premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. It naturally helps you reduce stress reduce anxiety, help with pain, help with sleeplessness. It's very easy to take. You put a few drops because it's it's a little liquid. They call it a tincture. You put a few drops under your tongue and you'll feel the difference within just a few minutes. But finding the right dose is really important. And this is another way that feels really shines is they have people who are there to really help you figure out what the right strength of it is for you, how much you should take, when you should take it. 
It's really, really cool. And they have a free CBD hotline that will help you figure out this personal experience that's right for you. That makes them really different, but these people really, really get it. Keep in mind this works naturally to help you feel better. You don't get high. You don't get hungover. There is no addiction. It is not the THC kind. Uh, it's just CBD. So it's it's really, really healthy. And it's the focus is on helping you with many, many of these issues. And now here's something really cool about Feels. And I'm always a little skeptical of anything that's, oh, you get to sign up for a membership. But in this case, I really appreciate it because it sucks to run out. And once you know about how much you're using, it's really nice to know that it's just going to show up on your doorstep. It'll be there when you need it, and you're not going to ever run out. I have run out, and that's not that's not good. You don't want to be in that scramble. And what you do is you join the Feels community. You get this delivered to your door every month. You're going to save money on every order, but you can pause it or cancel it at any time. And that's the key. I think CBD and feels has really, really helped me. It's helped my whole family. And you can get this kind of benefit too by becoming a member. You're going to get 50% off your first order with free shipping by going to feels.com slash back to work. And that's spelled F-E-A-L-S, feels.com slash back to work. Become a member, 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. This is great stuff. I use it. I think you'll like it too. Go check it out. Thanks very much to Feels for making this show possible. Thanks, Feels. Buck, buck. Um, oh, Sean Young, that's a I good think, one, Sean Young. Well, yes, yes. Sean Young, I think, mm. very famously, well, you know, she's she's got a lot going on, but um, she had a very difficult shoot with Blade Runner, and apparently, the story goes, Harrison Ford was legitimately pretty terrible to her. Why? Why um, does he have to do that? She's so know, special man. and he's nice. A, he's a and cipher. I don't. I, I. I. I don't know. I don't know. It's now I'm angry. A different time. Now I'm angry. Huh? I said now I'm I angry. I too. But, but uh, she. She again, somewhat famously, I think, um, brought along a Polaroid and took a ton of photos. So um, if I can find one of these that's not just a bunch of the dumb slideshow or Pinterest, uh, you can go see Sean Young's Polaroids. But uh, look, look at uh, look at Rucker Hauer. Look at that guy. Mm-hmm. Love that guy. Role was made you for know, him. Oh, absolutely. Tears and rain. Um, I think the, I was going to say Jerry Lewis's two faces would be good for show art, but now I'm thinking Sean Young in a yellow chair. La, la, la. Sean Young in a yellow chair. The penultimate photo I sent as of now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. <sighs> um, so what have I got? I, I was going to talk about, I think, transitions, one idea. Um, I have a little bit more follow-up on that app. Uh, hook not a ton but worth mentioning i'm finally getting the hang of it a little bit more oh. and i wanted to talk about uh, an article that's been going around that was in the new york times yesterday called your brain is not for thinking well what's it for it is for okay i'm not here as with so many of these things it, i really feel like i want to i'm sorry to have to bracket this but i think it's important to bracket this every time i read a sciency turns out article i i take it with a grain of salt Mm. because i i know enough i feel no i'm gonna say it i know enough about journalism reporters assignments ideas that a lot of times let's just say you start with the the thing you want to say and then you kind of backfill with available evidence and that can even be true of like a press release from a university that says oh turns out you know smoking peanut butter will take six months off your life or whatever 
Um, so I am very circumspect, first of all, about the quote-unquote science behind anything. I'm not here to um, defend or promote the science behind this. And in fact, I'm not even sure I totally agree with the point of this article, but that does not make it any less thought-provoking. I'll tell you why. Mm. This is in uh, November 23rd, New York Times. Opinion piece. Mm. Your brain is not for thinking. thinking. And it's by Lisa Feldman Barrett. Dr. Barrett is a psychologist and neuroscientist, so it must be true. <laughs> yes. And I, I read this yesterday. Actually, a friend of the show, Todd Vaziri, also linked to this, I believe, yesterday. And this instantly, uh, well, because I'm self-involved, it made me think of me, but it also really made me think of you. You can find this in show notes. Dan, where would people find show notes for episode 505 of your Back to Work program? 505? That's going to be at backtowork.limo slash 505. 505. Mm-hmm. And this gets to two, um, a thing that we both, separate things, that you and I both uh, have as a hobby horse. Mm. You know, my hobby horse is, <laughs> I got a lot of hobby horses. I got a whole stable full of hobby horses. One of my hobby horses is that now, more than ever, our nervous system and our, our, our ways of being human, our ways of being American right now are poorly suited for what we've been living through. Mm-hmm. That's one of mine. And I think one of yours is you seem very interested in harking back to a different time, mm. a pre, perhaps pre-industrial time, but a, a time when, you know, the, the, as they say, you know, sitting around the fire, living in a cave, whatever. But, the, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of thoughts. I don't know. You could, you could say, what, what, what's your, give me your, give me your rant on that. I, I, You're not I'm, supposed to be in fluorescent lights. You're supposed to eat elk. Oh, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. No, you're I not think. supposed to know that many people. Turns out we, everybody has 150 friends and it's in they get the village and all that. Ah. Yeah, give me your, sure. Give, give me your bit on that. Give me your bit. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of things in the modern world that are a little bit um, anti maybe what human beings became. And, and if you want to talk about evolving or you want to talk about whatever, I'm not going to be particular about that. But if you look at the human form and the human body and the things that are good for us. We do a lot of things in the modern world that are not necessarily how we just because we just because pants fit on our lower body doesn't mean we should wear them. I mean that's that's an argument I suppose you could make, but there are a lot of things that are um that are I think you know, and we talk about the whole light thing. The fact that I was, regardless jo- of- I was joking, but not joking, because the fluorescent lights are actually a great example. They're I'll do really anything good in my power to not be under fluorescent lights. Not being under fluorescent lights implies, yes, natural light. Hey, maybe some sunlight, maybe some being outside. Mm-hmm. But like being in a windowless room, sitting at a desk in a chair with other people, as in the before times, with fluorescent lights does has never felt natural to me. No, and I used to go and stand on the desk in my cube and unscrew the fluorescent bulb over my Absolutely. desk. You know, I hated that kind of thing. But the boss would come in and think my my office was too dim. Yes. It was weird to him that I had three lamps. Right. Not seven, like Dave, the marketing guy, but I did have th- like three small table lamps with low wattage bulbs. Very pleasant. He'd come in my office to make some kind of an unreasonable demand. He'd flip on my light switch and the lights didn't work. And he mm-hmm. and I, because I had sabotaged them. Mm. Yeah, I actually removed the light switch in this little studio that I'm in now. I removed it and and walled over it. So it's not even, you can't even turn them on if you wanted to. It's the, now the, like the light of Amontillado. <laughs> yeah. But the concept is, forget whether we're even talking about fluorescent lights or too much blue light. The fact is, we are under too much artificial light, for example, for much, much too mm-hmm. long in a given day. And uh, it hurts your vitamin D <clears throat> if you're not it, Jonah Hill. If you're not Jonah Hill, if you're not snorting it. 
it's hurting mm-hmm. it. But the fact remains that we are exposed to too much light for too much of the day. We are not meant to. And you could say, well, we'll prove it. Well, if you were to actually get out of it, studies have shown and I couldn't point to them right now, but if you really wanted me to, I'm sure I could dig them up. But that if that for people who spend a large part of their day outside in sunlight, and when the sun goes down, they they maybe light a candle or sit by a fire instead of having just five more hours of light and five more hours of a screen shining at them, that that we do better. So that's an example, I right, think, because, of what because you're talking the, about. Because the implication in some ways has become, if I'm awake, there should be lights. So all, all day long, I got lights going on. And then at night, when I'm going to sit in front of my very, very blue TV light, I'm going to turn on all these lights. I'm sorry, I'm taking you off your course. But no, I, I think there's a Venn diagram here of something we both have an interest in, which is like, what are the ways in which the body, the mind, all of these things are suited for different kinds of things? I mean, fair to say? Mm, yes. So here's what I liked about this article. And again, please, you know, don't email me. Blah, blah, blah. Five million, 500 million years ago, a tiny sea creature changed the course of history, became the first predator. Okay. So the pitch she's making here is that we basically, there's predators and prey, sometimes both. You want to eat, but not get eaten. And your body is suited to basically helping you deal with eating and not being eaten. And I'm just going to, let's take that as read. We'll take that as stipulated. But here's, this is what I, this is the first paragraph that really jumped out at me. Um, evolution. Here we go. We got to bring in John Syracuse to talk about evolution. What's his uh, stance on that? He's a creationist, right? He thinks almost nothing. Yeah. He believes in creationism. Um, he doesn't floss mm-hmm. and he thinks a flu shot will take care of him never getting a cold. You know, that he should have gotten the flu shot uh, and he wouldn't have to worry about COVID either. You know, he probably skipped it. He's like that though. He's a contrarian, which mm. is, you know, part of what I respect if I respected him, which I don't. Okay, so here's where it gets interesting, even though I don't know if this is true. Boy, I really, I, I came to, uh, I, I came to, I didn't come to praise Caesar, apparently. This story <laughs> of how brains evolved, while admittedly just a sketch, draws attention to a key insight about human, about human beings that is too often overlooked. This is what I want you to, I'm, I'm stepping out of this and editorializing. I want you to think about this, because I know you know this, but as I like to say, do you know, no, 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 know mm. this. Your brain's most important job isn't thinking. Hmm? It's running the systems of your body to keep you alive and well. Mm. Now, okay, so you know about things like the autonomic things. You don't have to remember to breathe. You don't have to like send a signal to make spinal fluid move. There's all the all the things that happen that we don't really have to think about. But like, you know, reading that sentence in this weird article, I think that's very thought provoking. So we were saying, you were saying at the top of this uh, segment, our B segment, you know, well, what is it? What is the body for? And it's like, well, in a lot of ways, your body. It's a lot like Dr. Theophilus and Tweaky. So, like, your body is Tweaky. That was it's, Twiggy. It's, oh, Twiggy, the, the the model. And she she's the one that wears <laughs> no, the top face around the her neck. No, I thought the robot was... Um, beady, beady, beady. Yeah, I thought Twiki. he was... Tweaky? Tweaky. Tweaky, T-W-I-K-I? Twiggy, Twiggy, I think, is the English model. Who is the, the, who is the guy next to him, the big, the tall guy, Dr. Theophilus? Dr. Theophilus, yeah. Dr. Theophilus is the robot for the robot. Yeah. So here's the thing. If I understand Buck Rogers in the 25th century correctly, Tweaky is basically, it's, he's just the way for getting Dr. Theophilus around. Like Dr. Theophilus, the computer brain on the Flavor Flav clock around his neck, he's the brains of the operation. Tweaky looks like a penis, right? I th- it's I a think master it's blaster kind of situation. You mean the Stevie Wonder song? <laughs> no, that's not. And who was who is the other robot that's on the ship that had the arms that all it could do was 
kind of put its arms at its sides and lower them straight down, and and, and that's all it could oh really do. Oh my god, do. that sounds horrible. No, you. What what do you call it when you put your arms on your hips and you kind of stand as in opposition like Peter to Pan? something? Yeah, arms akimbo. Akimbo. So it, well, Casey it was. Casey List calls the Peter Pan pose. Buck Rogers. Yeah. Robots. Buck Rogers arm robot. Buck. Buck Rogers robots. Let's see. Yep. Yep. There's a picture of the guy. Okay. Oh, I see. Oh, he actually does look kind of Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. Do you see right? that robot? I'm seeing. Do you know his name? There's, That's what I'm trying the, to. Find am I getting Doctor Theop? What is the? I thought Doctor Theopolis was the Clock Man. This the, is screwing up my entire all my arrangements. There's the there's the one that's hanging around Twiggy's neck, and then there's the one that st- that all that that one I just sent you a picture of. Okay. That is. Here's another Dr. picture Theopolis. of him. Crichton. Crichton. C r i c h t o n. Yeah, Doctor Theopolis. Theopolis. Not Theophilus. Oh, look, at that is a very Hitchhiker's Guide looking robot. He's very arms akimbo. He looks dissatisfied. He, yeah. looks like he wants to speak with the manager. He's very judgmental. Crichton. Crichton? Oh, is he named after Michael Crichton? Crichton? My, I don't know if he's, he's named, named after Michael him. Crichton. Michael Crichton was already big at that time. He'd already written Congo. I Huge. think he might have written Jurassic Park already. Yes, here's Twiki with Dr. Theopolis. Dr. Theopolis is just a little frisbee with a, with a, a robot face. Oh, come on. Really? Yeah. No. No, come on. Don't you got look okay, listen, for my analogy to make sense. Okay, Dr. Theophilus is a member of the Computer Council. Well, thanks. That's really helpful. Remember when they look, would show them all mm-hmm. in the Computer Council? They were all on little podiums. What I remember is Aaron Gray. I remember Aaron Gray. Oh, don't get me started. We don't have time. In, the, in that uh, in that shiny outfit. We don't have time. We don't have time. No. No. Small cup. Abort. Um the point is Tweaky is a vessel. Tweaky carries around Dr. Theophilus. Dr. Theophilus is essentially the brain. And Tweaky, who's shaped like a penis, a walking penis, beady, 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 right? He's not, he's not the brains of the operation. He just no. carries the brains around. Is this relevant? No, certainly not. Nobody watches this show anymore. The point I'm trying to make is that what appeals to me about this article is being, being encouraged to remember that we're just, a, we're just a bucket of guts and we just, our brain moves that bucket of guts around. And yet, and this is nothing new. This is a, a tentpole of Western and probably Eastern philosophy for uh, centuries we live mostly in less in our brain and more in our mind. We're more in, we're like, I think of things very like sort of emotionally. I have reactions to things that don't have anything to do directly with eating or being eaten, right? I live mostly in my head. I, I don't, I mean, I have a sensory world, but if I feel a pain, like my wife, oh God, my poor wife, she just, she ate it on, uh, on Sunday. She was running, she runs every day. She was running downhill and she ate it hard. Like fell on her chin. She's oh, all bruised. No. Sucks. It really sucks. But she she'll she'll be okay. She's she's recovering. Feels better today. But but like that's when you become aware of your body. I become aware of my body, and this is a very privileged thing to say. When I got my bursitis, as you like to say, yes, like I yes. say my back hurts, so my neck hurts. You know, uh, Ch- Ch- Charlie uh, uh, Ch- Charlie Babbitt. You know, uh, uh, squeezed and pulled and hurt hurt my neck. Nineteen eighty eight. Nineteen eighty eight. Right? That's when I become aware of my body. But I live mostly in my head, in my world of like emotions and fears and anxieties and all of those things. And this dumb article really, I think that's an interesting thing to think about. Now, further here, again, I, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. I cannot, I cannot speak for, whoa, look at that. I cannot speak to the veracity of any of this, but I think this is an interesting insight. Your brain runs your body using something like a budget. A financial budget tracks money as it's earned and spent. The budget for your body tracks resources like water, salt, and glucose as you gain and lose them. 
Each action that spends resources, such as standing up, running, and learning, is like a withdrawal from your account. Which I think, you know, okay, fine. Let's take, let's, let's take, take that as a mental model, because I think that's useful. I think that's true. I think you can, like, you run out your tank, whether that's physically because you were in a triathlon, or mentally because you had to record two podcasts. It's exhausting to pay attention to people. Mm-hmm. And... I, and we, I think we even speak, this becomes this, you know, lake off like metaphor for us is like the same way, like the don't think of an elephant guy, you know, saying that America is like a family is the big political metaphor. Uh, and in this case, I think that's, I think we think of that, like, you know, you say like, I'm running out of gas or I'm, you know, all the different ways of like treating your body as this thing where like you need to like power back up. It's extended to video games. Like how many of those little hearts are you going to get that show you how... I think that is, in some ways, a, a sensible, if not exactly realistic, mental model. Like, if, you, if I don't eat, I get weird. If I don't eat, I get a headache. My, I'm, I've basically, uh, I've used too much of my budget for this one thing and not for this other thing, right? And by the same token, you cannot, you know, like that wonderful book, uh, what's it called, My Year of Sleep, you can't just sleep for a year and then not need to sleep for, you know, eight years, you know what I'm saying? Or three years, I guess it would be. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, you have to do a little bit every day. You've got to eat a little bit. You've got to get some sunlight every day. All those different things. Why did I bring this here? Because this is a thing that is valuable to think about right now. Like why this time has been so difficult. Mm -hmm. And like why it is that, you know, so I mean, I, I think a lot of us feel like, as you say, having trouble sleeping. A little bit irritable, maybe. Like I, I, I have... I have a, a different range. It's not a it's not a huge emotional roller coaster. It's more like a like a the the kitty roller coaster. But I do have certain emotions where like that I didn't used to have as often during the COVID times in particular. Is this making any sense? Yeah, that, keep that, going, keep going. We're ill suited. We I think we are ill suited for dealing with certain kinds of things. And if one is the sort of person who is not walking around taking walks outdoors and getting outside of your head. We can, you can start to live inside your head and not realize how far, in that case, your mental and emotional tank has been depleted. Why is this time so difficult? It's difficult for a million reasons. There's very little resolution of anything these days. It feels like, you know, and like I've, I've grown fond of saying in the past month, this constant mix of anhedonia and madness. Like it's hard to be genuinely happy about anything. It's hard to disappear into a moment, I feel. I have, I have a lot of trouble like disappearing into a moment of happiness. It's something I've always been not I know exactly great at. what you're talking about. Well, you know, the funny part was, Dan, it used to be, especially during the 43 Folders days, I was so keyed up with like demands I'd made on myself. Dumb demands, but still demands. Like I need to post regularly and it, some of these need to be really good. And I need to be thinking about, you know, things I'm going to do in the future alongside projects that like would lead to a bigger thing that I could do. And especially at that time, not uniquely, but at that time, I had a terrible time going on any kind of a vacation. And what I eventually realized, and it was, you know, vacation, that's what John Syracuse calls a vacation, but visiting family or family visiting us. Mm-hmm. If we go somewhere, it would take me basically, let me give you the formula, number of days we are at the vacation location minus one and a half. That's how long it took me to get into it, to stop trying to get a good Wi-Fi signal. To stop, to like basically, in these days, like put down my phone or stop doom scrolling Twitter. It used to be extremely <laughs> difficult. And I have gotten better at that. But it, that to me is symptomatic from the before times. That's symptomatic of the problem I'm having now big time. We, like, you know, I'm getting better at it now that I'm more, more mindful. Like right now, 
my kids at home for the week at home, Jesus, is off school for the week. So mm-hmm. we're doing some of our old project things we used to do. Like we're building a Lego, uh, a couple, you know, a couple, three Lego sets this week. And we listen to uh, the Adventure Zone like we used to do. We listen to the McElroys and, and build Lego. And I can kind of disappear into that. But it's not easy. That anhedonia comes out of, you know that phrase, right? That was a Woody, Woody Allen's original title for Annie Hall. He was originally going to call it anhedonia. The I did inability, not know that. That's cool. Yeah, the inability to experience pleasure. And I'm, I, it's not that I don't have that. It's just that if I let myself be emotionally vulnerable enough to enjoy something, to appreciate something. I, I watched my favorite episode of Doctor Who last night because it was the 50th anniversary. I watched the 50th anniversary episode and I bawled. Like I always bawl. Mm. I disappear into that show. I think that's difficult these days because of the various conditions in the world and in our, <laughs> our ill-suited bodies. That's just what I'm trying to get at here is that if you're wondering why things are difficult right now, if you're wondering why, why you're feeling anxious right now, Give yourself, as I like to say, give yourself a break because you were never designed to handle Donald Trump. The way that you evolved, the way that you grew, you're, I mean, most of us were, especially the privileged ones of us who never had to deal with quite this level of like what is happening. Um, I don't think we're well suited for that. And, you know, I, and we talk about research. Is there research? I've heard a lot of stuff that says, you know, one, it can be so difficult. Let's say you're some black kid in what we used to call a ghetto. Yeah, it's really hard to do school. Because you're like, maybe you have, maybe you have a single parent. Maybe there's not much money. There's not much food. Maybe you're somewhere loud, but maybe you're also menaced by like people around you that maybe, I don't know, could be kind of violent or could be sort of like demanding you be in a gang or something. Mm -hmm. You're not going to become the most gifted oboe player at your charter school under those kinds of conditions. It's extremely difficult. The stress of that has a real impact. And it's just that I think some of us are feeling that sort of stress at a smaller level, but- for the first time in our lives. And now, I don't know, hopefully that can make us more tolerant of other people's difficult time and also more, um, I don't know, more more sympathetic, empathetic to our own times like that. Because I don't think we're ever suited for this. I don't think we're suited for it at all. Everything is backwards. And it's, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's very interesting to think about the going back to your earlier comment when you were talking about what people are designed for, what they're not designed for, or evolved for. Mm-hmm. And this is in so many ways even worse because human beings, even you know, there are people like like our mutual friend John who are who claim to be introverted and feel that you know they're. I've heard people at the start of COVID or after in the first month of COVID, oh, you know, this is great. I don't miss it at all. This is great. I've always wanted yeah. to, to, to be introverted. I'm, I'm allowed to not, I am allowed to, to not, to decide that I'm not going to respond to or agree to all of the various demands. And yeah. I have a reason now. It's almost like the beauty of being sick. Like when you're sick and you're like, I can't, I'm sick. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I can't do it and I don't want to get you sick. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, John and I talked about that for weeks, like right. the, the, the strange and often shameful relief of not having to capitulate to every remote demand from every person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. No, that, that's it. I mean, I was just going to say that it, but you know, I want to hear from more of those people now after so many months mm-hmm. of this, are they still feeling that way? I think some probably are, but I can imagine there's a lot of people who don't enjoy working alone all day or, or working and being it's alone. Incredibly lo- it's an all incredibly time. lonely time. It's a desperately lonely time for, for so many people, a coworker, this is way back months ago now, but a coworker, I'll never forget this. 
um, someone that works with um, my lady friend said, I haven't touched another person in five months. Mm. When you put it in those terms, it's like that human touch, whether that's a hug or a handshake or like just getting change from a barista, like that stuff matters. Yeah. Like our, we, we need those kinds, not just kitty cats and puppies that, that need contact to feel happy. We all need that. So and we got, we got more to do. So let me just wrap up by reading this one little bit. And again, <laughs> uh, you know, take all the science with a grain of salt, but I like this paragraph. We're all living in challenging times and we're all at high risk for disrupted body budgets. If you feel weary from the pandemic and you're battling a lack of motivation, consider your situation from a body budgeting perspective. Your burden may feel lighter if you understand your discomfort as something physical. When an unpleasant thought pops into your head, like I can't take this craziness anymore, ask yourself body budgeting questions. Did I get enough sleep last night? Am I, am I dehydrated? Should I take a walk? Call a friend? Because I could use a deposit or two in my body budget. Not so different from dealing with an infant. And like there's a list, of, I forget the list, but there's like seven things, like the seven S's. Here's the seven things that you can do to try and help the baby. Basically it comes down to, did the, is the baby uncomfortable because of pee or poop? Is, is the baby like sad because they haven't slept? Is the baby hungry? Is the baby bored? Could we, could we bundle the baby, swaddle the baby to help? And here's the thing about all of those. Here is the, some of the best counterintuitive parenting advice I ever heard. Take that list of seven things and just keep going through all seven until one of them works. Because your, your baby, a baby is sad for many reasons. The baby doesn't know why it's sad. The baby can't say why it's sad. You have to look out for that baby and say like that sadness could be indicative of something serious or it could be something that's just more like discomfort or selfishly, I need to sleep at some point. I need to sleep. Like I, I can't be awake all the time on this dumb baby schedule. It helps the baby to comfort the baby. It also helps me. I'm less stressed out about it. But think about that. How do you take care of a baby? You go through this dumb list until the baby's not crying anymore. <laughs> right, right. Do we do that for ourselves? What is our list of things that we could go through? And I think these are all pretty good ones. And they're all so obvious that people love to dismiss them. Well, sleep, ah, who sleeps anymore? I, it's so hard to sleep. It's, can't get good sleep. Oh, you know, all this stuff. Nobody, you know, you don't actually have to drink eight, eight glasses of water. Well, you don't, but why don't you treat yourself like a dumb baby and go through an array of things that might help address your body. And you know what? I know it's crazy to think maybe that could also help your mind a little bit. But even if you are stuck in your own brain, like I am so much of the time, remember, you know, th those are, those are thoughts. Those are impulses. And if you're an anxious person, those build on each other. You get into what I've heard called chain worrying. You get into that. But just remember, like you're just, treat yourself a little more like Tweaky and a little less like Dr. Theopolis. Try, <clears throat> try and tend to that budgeting stuff and uh, hang in there. It's a tough time. That's all. Good advice. Love to hear about a second thing that you like, please. I would love to tell you about SaneBox. 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 This is a wonderful solution if you guys like me, and I know like Merlin, get too much email. I, I like think, you, Dan. <laughs> oh, I think everybody gets too much email. I mean, they really do. It's just there's too much. And most of it, most of the email we get isn't very important. And most of it doesn't need to be responded to promptly, if at all. And most of it is in the way of responding to the things that are important and do need to be responded to right away. And this is what SaneBox is good for. It moves unimportant emails out of your inbox into a separate folder, and it summarizes them all in a digest. And that's the key part that makes it so good. You're not going to miss those emails. You're going to see them in one summary in one place. It's 
a genius way to handle this. And only the important emails show up in your inbox. You can process everything else when it's convenient for you because those emails aren't gone. They're just moved out of the way. And this, mm-hmm. the, the other really good part about SaneBox is that it works on top of your existing setup. So you don't have to change your habits by creating like a, a separate a burner account that you only use for a month or a year. Uh, you don't have to download a new app. It just makes your existing email app awesome. It works with any email provider, any client, any device. And it analyzes your past behavior. So it looks at which emails you opened, which ones you responded to, how quickly, how often. And it determines the importance of incoming emails based on your own habits. It never looks at the content of your email, though. It only looks at the headers. So you don't have to worry about privacy or anything like that because it's not doing that. But it has a ton of other really cool features. In addition to all this, it has one-click unsubscribe. It lets you snooze non-urgent emails. It lets you move attachments to the cloud. And it has a couple of really cool things like um, what they call sane black hole that lets you put stuff that you never want to see again into a black hole and it will never come back from. This is a wonderful time saver from lists that you don't want to be on uh, or should never have been on in the first place. Also, there's sane reminders, which will remind you when you need to do a follow-up email. Really, really useful. And uh, let me tell you what they're giving listeners of this show, Merlin. Hmm. Listeners of this show will automatically have a $25 credit applied to their account on top of the 14-day free trial. They don't need a coupon code or anything. They just go to sanebox.com slash B2W, and that's S-A-N-E. B-O-X, sanebox.com slash B2W, 25 bucks applied to their account, 14 uh, day free trial. And uh, it's very, very nice. I'm using this service and I really like it. I'm seeing huge benefits from it, trying to sort of tame my email problem. So thanks very mm-hmm. much to Sanebox for making this show possible. Thank you, Sanebox. Buck, buck. Dan, I monop- monopolize the A and B uh, blocks of, of the show. Tell, tell me what's going on in your neck of the woods. I know you, you've always got something you're working on. You have projects. Uh, what is, what do you, what do you, I, I apologize. I, I monopolize. Tell me what you're up to. What's going good, on in your neck of the woods? It's good content. I mean, that's what the people are, mm. are paying for. Um, content. Yeah, it's content. You know, I don't know. It's such a, it's such a weird time. And the whole thing about sleep and sleeping and... Uh, and and how we're spending our time, I think in a weird way that it's almost like people are lacking the separation and the division of their time. Uh, mm. And here's what I mean by that. Everything is everything now. Everything is everything. It used mm-hmm. to be that we would wake up at a certain time, we would get ready, we would go somewhere, most people would go somewhere, do a thing there. And when we're done with that thing, we'd come back. So we've got this separation between our work and our home life. And even if you worked at home, you were still able to get out and go see people and go see friends. So even if you were a a, a single person living alone, working from home, you were still able to fill your life with lots of different lack of a better term, Merlin, distractions, right? You were able to... Also, you have the... When Starbucks first came along, I remember... Hearing a phrase for the first time, what they call it, the third place, that that in America and I guess probably everywhere, like it's it's you got the place where you work, you got the place where you live, and then you have a third place. And for some people, that could be a square, like where you would congregate. You know, it could be where you go out and uh, you know <laughs> uh, throw craps in the alleyway or whatever. But like we don't, we don't even really have a second place anymore right now. Yes, we don't have There's a one place. There's second, the place. we and don't have a third, we don't have a fourth, yep. we don't have anything. We've just got the one. And I find that, 
you know, it can be very, and plus, like, you know this, we can't really go anywhere. You can't meet a friend somewhere. And, like, I went to, um, yeah. you know, ev- everything that you, every, all the food that you would get, you got to pick it up. And some places you can't, you know, you can't go in to get it. They bring it to your car. You barely have any interaction at all. And so one of the things that I've found that really helps me is trying to replace some of those, you know, for lack of a better term, habits or rituals or things that we experience where you maybe we can't get in a car or drive somewhere or take a train or a bus or ride a bike or whatever. We can't do that because there's no place to go and they don't want us to go out anyway. So trying to bring some of that normalcy and that consistency and that schedule and that feeling of camaraderie back. This is Mm -hmm. a big thing for me because I miss a lot of this. I get to come to a, a small little studio room that is not in my house. So I do get mm-hmm. to, you know, drive to that. Um, but that, then you get there and it's like, it's still just you there, you know? So one of the things that I've been trying to do as an experiment to see if this is something that people want is trying to just do a morning live stream where I show up, I talk about the news and some other things that are on my mind and people show up in the chat room and we talk about it. And they ask questions and I ask questions and we talk to each other that way. And my hope is that it it's certainly working for me, but that maybe it would benefit other people to show up and like, we're kind of hanging out. We're kind of friends. We're kind of doing something together that gives a little bit of structure to the day that gives us a reason to maybe get out of bed or take a shower or do something a little bit different. And it provides that little tiny bit of maybe sort of kind of the water cooler feeling of mm-hmm. like, here's a friend I'm going to kind of hang out with for a little while. So I'm trying that as an experiment and I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I'm doing that and I tweet about it right before I go live. And I usually do it at about um, sometime between, I guess, around 10 and 11 Eastern time in the mornings on my YouTube channel. So I'll put a link to that if people want to do it, but I don't know. Do. I don't know if it's going to help or not. I don't know if it's something that people want well, to do, but it's helping people, me. It's helping uh, me. That's, that's great. But if it's helpful for you, it's also good on its own. I've been talking about this to anyone who listen, like is like, uh, so like the upcoming um, reconcilable differences that comes out on Thursday, John is asking me about my quote unquote projects, all these little like projects I take on, mm. whether that's like figuring out how to do curtains for my office right. or, you know, whether that's setting up this new synology I got. There's those kinds of things. It's like, well, why do we do these things? And I, I, I talked about that. I think we all need those things. I think you need, you need something that is beneficial and not an escape, but in your case, like that's good for you too. You got You got a place to be, you got a thing to do. You're communicating. I mean, it's sure worth a throw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So tell me again, what time do you do that? I, I usually try to do it, but, you know, around, well, it's, um, I'm in central time. So I usually like to mm-hmm. start it around, you know, between 930 and 1030 central time, which is uh, 11, 11 ish, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Eastern Eastern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when I've been doing it, but it's available. Uh, you know, YouTube usually puts it out pretty quick. And I also go to the trouble right now of making it an, like I take the audio from the stream and I push that out as a podcast as well. So I'll put a link to that oh, too. Interesting. So we'll see if it, if it, you know, it's helping me to do it. And so maybe it'll help other people to do it. And the more, that's just a fun thing, but the more interesting thing that I want to talk to you about, I want to get your feedback on. This is a project that I talked about about a month ago on Twitter. And it 
over the years, you know, you know, you've heard this and it's kind of, it's kind of a compliment and maybe it isn't, but a lot of people have told me over the years that I've been doing this that, oh, I listen to you, to your show as I fall asleep at night. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of nice because it's like, oh, like I'm helping someone sleep maybe, but also I'm so boring that I'm putting them to sleep. So that's been kind of the the joke. Oh, uh, yeah, I listen to your voice every night while I'm laying down to go to sleep. Thanks so much for making me pass out at night. But it actually, something kind of came out of that for me. And it's something I've been thinking about for a while. And then last month, I kept hearing from different people how much they weren't sleeping well. They weren't sleeping well, whether it was because of the election or just the overall stress of everything. And every time I talk to someone still, we just said this, they're like, oh, I didn't get a good night's sleep. I woke up at four in the morning. I don't know why, you know, or I, I was up so late. I don't know why. And it occurred to me that a good solution for this is something like listening to a, a book on tape or something like that. Because you want to hear a voice, you want to hear someone that you know or that you like or a voice that you like. And you were even talking about it one or two episodes ago. Yeah, the shipping forecast is yeah. just like, a, and it's not it's not such sensate words. Like I can't listen to like a comedy podcast right. or like a thinky podcast to fall asleep unless I turn it way, way, way down. Right. But uh, no, you need something that's nice to hear a human voice and it's nice to hear words, but it's also nice when it's not anything that's encouraging you to like over-engage. Right. It's encouraging you to sort of disconnect a little bit. And so many podcasts don't work for this because you get different people. Sometimes there's guests. Sometimes the audio quality isn't good. Sometimes they have loud music. You get a loud, a very loud, uh, dynamically inserted ad for Rocket Mortgage. (laughs) That's right. So Mm -hmm. about, like I was saying, about, well, about two months ago, but about a month ago, I started talking about this and I I tweeted about it and I said, I want to do this show, which is going to be me reading a book and I wanted the people's help reading, picking which book to read. Now you're limited though. You're limited by books that are in the public domain. I couldn't just grab a copy of, um, you know, Stephen King's It or Infinite Jazz and just start reading it because I would get very relaxing to have Dan read you the stand. Maybe really loud. <laughs> right. And in like a falsetto voice. <laughs> so <laughs> what what you can do, though, are find books that are in the public domain. And there are a lot of really good books in the public domain. And so I tweeted a few options for people. This was back in maybe mid-late October. And um, and the one that, that the people picked, which was one of the choices I gave them, uh, was War mm-hmm. of the Worlds. And it's a very, very, it's a great book. I haven't read it since I was in college and I remember it fondly. And there's been a lot of, you know, movies and other things that have been made from it. So this is going to be the first book that I read. But what's nice about it is it's going to be me just reading a book. Um, Probably each episode will be in the like 30 to 60 minute range, depending. I'm still working on that, but I've started to record this process and it's something that I'm just going to put out there and maybe Maybe people will like this. Maybe they'll want to listen to their friend Dan reading a book if they can't sleep at night or when they're when they're just alone in their house, they'll have a voice and someone and the story's really good. And it's in it's the kind of thing where you can put it on in the background and enjoy it. And maybe you're listening because you want to hear the book. Maybe you're listening because you want help falling asleep. Maybe you've woken up too early. Maybe you just want a, a friendly voice in the background while you're going about your business. So that's my hope. And uh, it's at evening read. Dot show and I'm Ooh. I haven't posted it yet, but that's the name of it. It's called the Evening Read. And so my hope is that people will enjoy this and benefit from it in some way. And so um so that's my that's my big project that I've you're been staying, working on. You're staying on. busy, Dan. 
you know, that's the other thing is I, I, I've, I've found projects, projects, projects. You got to do stuff because otherwise you, you start feeling sad. You know, you start I totally agree. wondering where I your totally friends agree. are in the world. And uh, so, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, these are good projects. I like this. Um, Thank you. I just, uh, I just posted to show notes the, um, so I was just curious. Um, so Project Gutenberg, I know there's others, but Project Gutenberg has been a place for a long time for collecting, scanning, you know, uh, public domain books and i'm just looking at the list of the top 100 ebooks downloaded as of yesterday anyway mm -hmm. so i'll be i thought I, there'd be more porn mm, but so there's the, not the war of the worlds is in that list and um okay. and so that's the one i'm starting with but i plan to do more than just this one i plan to to do maybe i can do a book a month and maybe we can have a fun little book club around it and a discord and a patreon and all this other stuff so um, you know, if it goes well and there's interest, I, I would love to keep doing it. It's a lot of time though. Isn't that a big time expenditure for you? Yeah, but, um, but I like it and I like reading and I, I, one thing I actually kind of miss is both of my kids are too old really to be read to anymore. And so I'll read to the internet kids, I guess. If I try to try to read kittens first full moon, I get a lot of pushback, mm -hmm. you know, or, uh, you know, a uh, good night moon. She says, what are you doing in here? <laughs> Why are you in here? It's 2 a.m. Yeah. and I was asleep. Why are you reading books to me? You look like a baby when you sleep. Good night, Mush. <laughs> Good night, Mush. <laughs> okay, Dan. Uh, Thank uh, you for the opportunity to tell the listeners about that. Put it in show notes. Limo, back to work, 505. You look it up. Look it up. It's on the internet. Uh, do you want to uh, tell me about something you like? I would love to tell you about Headspace. Oh, heads that's that's interesting timing, Dan. Yeah. Well, because they got stuff for all the things we're talking about. Boy, it's almost like we're getting we were like doing this episode around being able to do this uh, this ad spot. Because yeah, people are having trouble sleeping. Yeah, people are anxious. Yeah, people need a way to get away, and Headspace does those things. Also, if you like words, hearing words in your ears, Headspace. Headspace. What even is Headspace, Dan? Headspace is an app. At its heart, it's an app. But it addresses mm -hmm. the stress of life because we have stress under even normal circumstances. Now we have the 2020 stresses that we've been talking about. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness. It's in the form of guided meditations that exist in an easy-to-use app. It is the one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So it's not a guessing game. They know what they're doing. And whatever the situation is, uh, Headspace can really help you feel better if you're feeling overwhelmed. They've got a three-minute SOS meditation that really works. If you need help falling asleep, well, they have wind-down sessions that their members really, really dig, and I've used them, and they're really great. Uh, for parents, they have uh, morning meditations you can do with your kids, so you can include them in the whole process, and kids really like this. I can tell you from experience. Um, and what they, they basically, they have an approach to mindfulness that helps you reduce stress. Like I said, it helps you uh, sleep, but it also helps boost your focus. It increases your overall sense of well-being. And you're saying, wait a minute, I can get all this from an app, from these meditations? Yes, and you should try it. There are 25 published studies that talk about the benefits of this. There's 600,000 five-star reviews, and they've got over 60 million downloads. So you're really joining a community when you uh, hook up with Headspace, and it really can help you and change your life. And we all deserve to feel happier and less stressed, and that's what Headspace is. It's meditation made simple. So the place you can go to learn about this is headspace.com slash back to work. 
Headspace is spelled H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E. So headspace.com slash back to work. You're going to get a free one month trial if you go there and you'll get access to their full library of meditations for every situation. And that's basically what it is. Like, I'm feeling stressed about this. Well, here's the, here's the meditation for that. Or I've only got three minutes. Give me, give me something. They give you something. Or I want to fall asleep. They've got one for it. And this is the best deal that you're going to find uh, over at headspace.com slash back to work. So go check it out. And uh, I sure do appreciate their support of this show. It's a great app. I use it myself, and uh, I think you'll like it. Thanks very much to Headspace, making the show possible. Thanks, Headspace. Book, book. More on Hook. What do you want to talk about? I, I mean, I've got, I've got some, some little odds and sods. Um, I would like those. Yeah, I would like to hear your odds and grapes? sods. I have, I have another thing, but I want to hear your odds and sods uh, you first. You got another thing? Okay. Well, it's, it's, a, oh. it's a geeky topic, but we could go over it. We can talk about it. A geeky topic. I would do that. Yeah. yeah so uh, there we can, let's do some geeky things. Uh, right. I'll just mention in passing, I've been playing more with that app, Hook. We talked about it on Do By Friday last week. Um, this is a, to refresh your memory. This is done by the Cognitive Productivity Guy and his team. I'm finally getting the hang of it a little bit more. Um, I, I don't. I, I'm trying to figure out if there's a place for this and what I'm doing. But I, I finally sat down. So here's the, the notion behind Hook. It's a Mac only app. There's some chatter of bringing this to iOS. I have no idea how. Mm. Um, but uh, and I'm also not having terrific luck getting it to sync. But I'm probably doing it wrong. But the notion is that like you hook a thing to another thing, bidirectionally. So let's say, for example, you've got a test paper document about, okay, here's a good one. And I did do this, a task paper document for setting up my second Synology, okay? And so that's that's could be where I have, obviously, tasks. But I also want to be able to get to all the different things. So let, let's say I'm in task paper, and I hit Command-Shift-Space. I get this launch bar or Alfred-like little, you know, interface. And I can do stuff, I can copy a, copy a link to that, I can copy a markdown link to that. Um, but I could also be on a web page and basically connect that web page mm -hmm. to that task paper document again, mm. bi-directionally. Now, why is that useful? Well, that's pretty cool. Cause that means when I'm in task paper and I hit command shift space, it's going to show me all the stuff I've linked to and from that document. And conversely, anytime I'm on this page for the wonderful Synology documentation, very mm -hmm. well done. Um, I can hit command shift space and see if there's anything connected to that. It's a really interesting idea, and it's 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 a little bit of a learning curve. Just not even like technically, but just sort of mentally, like getting your head around like how you would use this. Um, you know, I mean, again, something like Quicksilver or Launch Bar. The first day you use it, you see that it's useful for this one thing. You know, the the next week that you use it, you see it's useful for this other thing, and then eventually you go, oh my god, this is basically a whole interface for my computer, something like that, or Quicksilver. And this is kind of like that. So I'm going to keep playing with this. I'll report back. But Hook Productivity, probably not for everybody, a little bit nerdy. But if you're the sort of nerd that is very happy that it works with Task Paper and Launch Bar, this might be for you. Worth checking out. It's in show notes, Hook Productivity. Mm. Tell me about your geekery. Well, um, I, uh, I installed Big Sur. Oh, boy. I love it. I, I, it's been great. You like the way it looks? I love the way it looks. I like the, the everything. Like those notifications? Those notifications are quite a bopping, aren't they? I mean, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them, but also hit that goddamn X. Ugh, yeah, I don't love that. Do but not like. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. I was just so going to say. Talk, like, talk about the techie part. You, you, you bit the bullet. What machine is that running on? Probably not the one you're on right now. It, it is. Um, well, 
my recording setup, I have a um, I have a couple different machines that are dedicated just to recording, and I absolutely d- did not update those. Um, in fact, I did change because I, I've been doing so much of the video stuff. Uh, I actually needed to th- listen. This is does not make me happy what I'm about to say, but this is just this is just the reality of of the world. Windows owns video live streaming. They just own that space. They own it. And they're going to say, wait a minute, huh. OBS and all the other tools are available for Macs. Yes, they, they are. Streaming video, you're telling me streaming video as we sit here right now is a thing best accomplished by using Windows. Yes. And it's not so what much... What is it about Windows that makes it good at that, if I could ask? Yeah, of course. It's not so much... The, the, the available tools? The hardware? What is it? It's the hardware. It's not so much the software. It's not so much the fact that it's Windows. But th- when you're doing video streaming, what you really need to get good results, and I've only learned this recently, and thanks to to people like um, like Graham, who's, who's a listener, who's helped me so much, is you need a really good GPU graphics processor in order right, to... Right do the encoding that makes the streams work. So when you're streaming, it's taking the video signal that's coming in and it's encoding it and sending that out to say YouTube, which is going to, you know, that's, that's where people are going to go to watch. And so mm-hmm. the graphics processor that's inside of a regular computer, non gaming computer, but it's like a regular computer. Frequently it's the integrated graphics uh, chip that's on the motherboard. And those are fine for doing things that you normally do, like browsing the web and just displaying regular stuff. But if you, or even for, I bet for, for even editing video, that's plenty it's fine. of GPU for doing what you need. It's but okay. The, but that ability to push, push out a big, like an HD, like, a, like, like an H- be very intensive. an HD stream with a decent bit rate and, mm-hmm. you know, and 60 frames per second in some cases and 1080p, Jeez. that requires a lot of processing. And unfortunately... That, that puts a hurting on, on my computer yeah. when I'm just streaming something from Plex. Right. Let alone, I can't imagine. Yeah, that's... that's yeah, that's a lot. And so imagine a scenario where you've got um, multiple Skype guests coming in and you're receiving and restreaming their video. And then you've got probably a 4K camera coming in. Um, there's a lot. And so the GPUs that are really good at that are usually like NVIDIA hardware. And that means like an NVIDIA GTX type uh, card or up. Well, guess what? Macs don't have. They don't have those. Mm. Um, hmm. So you can... You can do a lot with like a Mac Pro, but I don't have a Mac Pro and I'm not going to buy a Mac Pro. You could say, oh, well, you could get an iMac Pro and maybe the graphics in that are better, maybe. Or you could take just a generic hmm. PC and spend 150 bucks or less. I spent 140 and I, I could really use a new computer, but based on information and the advice of my friends, like it's some people say like the silicon desktops won't be coming for a while yeah. at least a year but the part of me is like dude these these are pretty expensive computers mm-hmm. to be not obsolete but to be not up to date within like a year that's a lot of money for something like that it is and with a pc i bet you could spend a lot less and still get something really powerful you can i mean you can go and buy what is for all intents and purposes just like a generic pc um, and then you can spend an extra 130, 140 bucks, get a GTX NVIDIA graphics card and, and stream all day long because it's not really the CPU that's handling hmm. it. It's the graphics I got it. Okay. processor. Okay. So I've had to switch. And so what I did as a, a result of that is, you know, I had all my audio stuff hooked up to the PC and I didn't like switching it back and forth. So I've actually switched to 
I'm not editing on the PC, but I'm recording on the PC now instead for even just audio. We, we are being recorded right now in Adobe Audition on a Windows 10 yeah, PC. I didn't even notice. I'll be hornswoggled. I had not noticed. Because there's no difference. Audio files are audio files as long as they're recorded the same way. And so, like, that's what I'm doing on, on Windows. Um, so that's, that's not touched by this upgrade process. What is touched is my main primary desktop machine, uh, which is a six, the now incredibly slow and outdated 16-inch MacBook Pro from this year. Um, that, uh, you know, that, but, but I'm running it on that, and I'll tell you what, it's fine. Everyone was talking about how bonkers it is and how crazy it is, but it's just fine. It seems fine. It's fine. Hmm. I don't love... I don't love the icons, Merlin. I'm sure I'll get used to them, but the 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 well, that battery icon is ugly. There's I, I I thought that when I very first put it on, it was I got to say, Dan, not dissimilar from putting the beta of OS 10 on my laptop many many years ago, where I was like, what is this? And it did get better, but it was so shocking to go from like pretty like System Nine like icon icons that look like a computer to like oh, it's a picture of a compass, and it's like ugh, so bad. Yeah, I do not. I do not love the icons. I don't love the menus. I don't love a lot of it. I'm but. fine with really everything. The, you know, like I know I'll get used to the menus. I don't like how everything is kind of separated, like the curve at the no. top of the no, menus. The, it, where's the dock? The dock's not even attached anymore. Just floating. It's just floating. And, and I'm not even obsessive about this stuff. No, you're not. Think. No, you're not. I mean, but ugh. I don't know. I think it's too much of a skills challenge. That's just from an, from an interface standpoint. Yeah. I mean, do you have any thoughts on the like the guts of it and like what are some are there are there big improvements? What's that is sound? It a truck is that, a... that has a backing up. That's the backing up sound for a truck. Can you imagine that? Oh my god! Can you imagine having to listen to that all day long. That's like the um the card reader at Target that. Eh, 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 oh yeah, right. Your yes, your credit card succeeded. What? <laughs> yeah, the success sound. Uh, okay. Um, uh, other impressions. Give me impressions about uh, about Big Sur. My my impressions were mainly just with how I felt about the aesthetics and some of the UX decisions, which I think are a little dicey. But what are you thinking? I, you know, as far as the extra space in the Chrome around the windows and things like that, well, that's fine. Yeah. Um, okay. It seems like the menu bar looks a little bit more cleaned up and spacey and that's fine mm. um mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. is curved and rounded that feels fine that's fine mm. yeah um I, it's just the icons i like that the icons are a little smaller i like that i like that mm -hmm. a lot i like that they're rounded in the same way that everything else is rounded that's that's fine but yeah. like looking at like the mail and the messages icons and how they're they have like that strange shadow and the icon, the shape within a shape. I, I really don't know who thought this was good. I don't like it <laughs> at all. It's a, it's really, really, really rubs me the wrong way. And it, I, I, there aren't words for how wrong it looks. And it's not that I don't like it as a matter of like, oh, I prefer the icons. No, it's just they look, they don't look good. They don't look good. Mm -hmm. I like the standardization yeah. of the icons, though, because like if you know, the, I mean they're 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 nominally fun. I guess like they're a little more fun. They're a little more like um, cartoony, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm trying to remember. It's like so I've been on this beta for a while, and now I'm on the whatever production main main line. But yeah, 
Like, what what do they... Well, I should just go look at the internet. What does Apple consider the big improvements with Big Sur? I have no idea. I am not not a big fan of... um, I am not a big fan of changes for the sake of changes. I'm not a big fan of changing something that works perfectly. That's that's a young man's game. Yeah. Changing just for change. Like, boy, I mean, I, I like... I'm I'm so calcified where like if something does work, you know, it's leave it alone and, 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 second, but, yeah. and you know, GTFO. That's my feeling yes. about it. Like don't change it if it's if it's working. If it's working, leave it alone. Well, I have a here's a, here's a this is really just real quick. I so I have as soon as we're done here, I'm gonna go talk with our friends on uh, the Mac uh, automators podcast to talk about automation. And um spoiler alert, um one of my cautionary tales from the last two weeks, because, you know, I'm very into a lot of this automation stuff. I'm increasingly really into, increasingly really into the automation that is done on my behalf. Like we've talked about, like, I really like Siri app suggestions. That's been working great for me. Like every morning there's stuff I need, like sitting there because it knows this is when I open my sleep app to see how I slept or whatever. I love that kind of background stuff doing stuff for me. Mm -hmm. But then there's also some cautionary tales. Sometimes when I'm doing my projects, my projects kind of run into each other and I don't know, just real quick one. I, I sometimes I get too clever. And so like I and I don't trust the old ways. I want to have the new ways. Mm-hmm. And so for example, this isn't gonna sound really trivial, but I don't care. We have a closet that my wife and I keep our clothes in. Mm-hmm. And it's a closet where you open a door and you walk in. And it's if you don't have the light on it, it's real dark. And so something we've had for a really long time is one of those pretty old school motion detector socket adapters so you screw this big ugly looking thing that look, it almost looks like a, like an old security camera but it's just a you know circular thing you screw into your socket overhead and then you put the light bulb into that right and it's got a photo sensitive whatever it is thing where in the most dumb way possible it recognizes motion right mm-hmm. it turns on the light mm-hmm. so now you just leave the switch on you walk into the closet and the light turns on for you i decided to get cute about it and so I got, I really, uh, for what it's worth, I think the, the, the future of home automation is going to require more sensors. I'm a big fan of sensors. Whether that's a camera that detects motion or like in my case, these Philips Hue motion sensors. It's a motion sensor. It detects, uh, also does uh, temperature and humidity. Um, but what's great is you put one of these someplace, like say in your closet, and now it's going to detect motion. At the most basic level, it can turn on a light for you, Right. Or, you know, say turn off the light. You can set a scene, all those kinds of things. Now, I've just got an old dumb light bulb in there, right? Nothing special. So long story short, I'm thinking I'm going to be real clever about this. So I'm going to make my, make my wife so happy. I got, I got a new Philips Hue sensor to put in there. Great. So now when people come in the closet, excuse me, phrasing, <laughs> when, when you enter the closet, that's not funny. Thing. No, it's terribly stupid. There's kids out there. That's There's dumb. kids. And, uh, and that'll be great. And so I also, so then I took it to a step further. I'm going to get rid of that old school, dumb, photosensitive dingus that turns the light on. Cause now we've gone to next level, but now I need a way to deal with a light socket. So what did I do? I bought a, a thing made by the company iDevices and like the adapter for detecting motion, it's a, it's a, it's a go between, between your light socket and your bulb. Right. But it's smart. It's smart. So it works with HomeKit air quotes and it does have a button on it in case you want to hit it to just turn the light on but guess what it's also got a colorful ring 
around it. Mm -hmm. So you can have, there's now two, technically two separate lights that are addressable from that thing. You've got your light bulb, and it could be a dimmable, dimmable bulb, like could be whatever. The app is real good about saying like, does, is this an LED lamp? Well, is this a, a CFL? Like what kind of light is this? And we'll, we'll know what we can do with dimming it. Because it's not a smart bulb. In my case, it's just an LED bulb. But then you get the ring. So how cool is this? And I'm thinking, oh my God, visions of sugar plums are dancing in my head. When we enter the closet, it detects the motion, but what time of day is it? So like if it's any time during the day, I want it to turn on full brightness, everything full brightness, and I want it to turn off after, let's say, five minutes of not motion. And then I want to say from 9 p.m. to, say, 5 a.m., I want it to just turn on the pretty ring, the blue ring light in my case. So this, this long tail, it was, it was so stupid, Dan. For, it just didn't work. You know, when you're at the point where you're, you're waving your arms at a, a device to try to get it to turn on, and I don't know whose fault it is, quote-unquote. I don't know, because here's the thing. This, there could be a problem with so many different things. Even setting aside, is my Wi-Fi good? My Wi-Fi is good. But is it the motion sensor having troubles? Is it the way the motion sensor has been set up and uh, uh, programmed inside the Hue app? Because the Hue app has functionality to say, at this time of day, do this and then fall back to that. Basic logic. Mm -hmm. It could be a problem with the HomeKit app, because believe me, this is going to blow your mind, but sometimes HomeKit is not very reliable. It could be a HomeKit problem. Or it could just be that iDevices thing. At, at any point in that chain, something is going wrong and the light is not turning on. And now if I'm frustrated, I know my wife's going to be crazy frustrated. And I don't know what I did wrong, but I wasn't going to spend any more time than you would not believe how much time I spent trying to get this right. And as with so many automation things, you have to like do it at the right time of day or in the right conditions. You got to wait 10 minutes and try it again. So you know what I ended up doing? I'm going to tell you what I ended up doing. I ended up unscrewing the iDevices fancy socket. I ended up screwing the old, very Jurassic motion detector, non-smart motion detector back in, screwing the light bulb in. I'm back to where I was two or three weeks ago, and I, it's so much better. So the lesson of that is sometimes the old ways are not so bad. You know, it's, it's sort of like Homer with his, his drinking bird to press the Y yeah, key. Right, 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 right. The, the, to me, as I'm gonna, as I'm going to try to make a case to David and Rosemary today, I think automation, home automation, is a lot like the drinking bird. Where, like, on the one hand, it's it's it can be very amusing and fun to watch and easy to set up for something, but boy, you do not want that bird pecking at the wrong thing and you forgot to change it. Like, there's so much to this stuff where like you can overthink it. And I'm trying to pivot to what you're saying about Big Sur, which is like. Is this an improvement or like, is this just, is it just more complex? Does it just look different? You know, cause sometimes that can be, there's so much, once you get old, you realize how much potential for stuff breaking there is. There's so much stuff that can just break because you wanted to change it up. What an old man thing to say. No, no, but it, I mean, it's a wise thing to say. Very wise. Mm -hmm. Boy, there sure were a lot of pop-ups though. Woof. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of things to approve. Oh my God, Dan, we're running long. Did you have a last thing to tell me about that you Yeah, like? the last thing I'll sign yeah. off with it. It's uh, it's Teamistry. I've told you about this, this very cool Did podcast. Did you get a sneak peek? Did you get a sneak peek? Got at a sneak peek. It is a very no cool Coke. podcast. This is a, a, a podcast that is advertising on a podcast. Go figure. Mm. But I want, I want people to hear about this show. It's a very, very cool show. 
Um, it is a podcast that tells the stories of teams who work together in new and unexpected ways to achieve remarkable things. Each episode tells a story, and in each story, there are practical lessons for you, for your team, for your business. And this season, the show travels deep underwater into the caves of northern Thailand to discover how divers and medics and soldiers and volunteers freed a group of trapped teenagers. It, uh, it finds out how Iceland went from having one of the highest COVID-19 death rates in Scandinavia to a model example of how to deal with the virus. Um, these are stories they entertain. They're packed with business cases that you can actually use, that you can learn from. Uh, it's hosted by award-winning uh, documentary filmmaker who did uh, Blackfish, which is a great, great movie. So you know that it's good. And I got a sneak preview of it, like Merlin said. It's very, very cool. And um, there's there's a really cool episode in season four about saving endangered species. Um, so I don't want to give too much away because I want people to hear it. But there is an international ecosystem of data scientists and biologists and computer vision researchers uh, who have leveled up their resources by connecting their data and I, I mean, this is really cool. This is this thing about saving endangered species. So go check it out. Listen to the show. It's very thought provoking. And there's a lot of really good lessons in it. And you'll find it anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Just search for Teamistry, T-E-A-M-I-S-T-R-Y. Teamistry. Go search for Teamistry. that. And give it a listen. Like I I think, do. Just go look for Teamistry. Think you Just might go like do it. it. It's not hard. Do it. Thanks, uh, thanks Teamistry. Thanks, Teamistry. <sighs> there you go. Hey, look at that Tweaky. Look at him. Yep. Wonder what they decided not to do that they arrived at that particular The shape. The shape, yeah. And do you remember who did, who does the voice of Tweaky? Sure you do. Oh um yeah, uh, Bugs yes. Bunny. Mel Blank. Mel Blank. Beady beady beady. Mm-hmm. 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 I bet he's a gentle lover. Um, let's button this up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, I love you. Love you too, Marlon, man. <laughs>